You're listening to Girls with Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, burn survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team, Amber Wilcox and Rachel Anderson. Hello and welcome back to Girls with Graphs. I am Rachel Anderson and I'm one of your co-hosts and I'm joined by my lovely co-host Amber Wilcox. Hey there, so excited we're back for another episode and today we have a very special guest. Uh, I know we always say that but today is really special um, and I'm very excited to have you introduce her but before we do I do want to send over a special thank you to our season one podcast sponsor Pritzker Hagman. And with that, Rachel, you want to kick us off today? Yes, yes. I'm very excited to introduce Jennifer Harris, a clinical social worker and therapist based in Boston, Massachusetts. Jennifer Harris works with people living with life transitions, trauma, bereavement, end of life, grief, and life losses, as well as chronic illnesses and burns with compassion, while also acknowledging the unique experience of each person. Jen has an in-depth training in trauma-informed care with over 15 years working in private practice and in a hospital trauma medical service. She has extensive experience working with loss, grief, trauma, developmental trauma, crisis intervention, intimacy, and adjusting to a new normal. In addition to her work as a therapist, Jen volunteers as a healing circle leader for Comfort Zone Camp, a youth and family bereavement organization, and is a valued member of Phoenix Society, which is a familiar if you join one of our virtual uh, Monday evening support support groups. So thank you so much, Jen. That was one heck of an intro and a bio. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, you guys, thank you so much. I am so honored. It's so great to see you. We're so thankful that you've joined us, especially with Christmas right around the corner, Jen. And while this can be a really exciting time for a bunch of folks, today's podcast um, is very special because I think um, this is an area that that you're specifically um, really passionate about, but also um, very, you know, have a great expertise in. And so today we're going to talk a little bit more about grief. Um, and we're, we're really thankful that you're joining us uh, so close to the, the holiday season. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. This is, um, you know, it's such a tough time of year for so many people um, and balancing loss and losses of life, but also this high expectation to have lots and lots of joy or how and expectations um, and things might be looking different. And so how do we find that balance um, to still have some joy, but acknowledge, acknowledge what we have lost, what we're adjusting to, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, you know, like you said, the holidays can be joyful, but that's definitely not the case for everyone. And, you know, you can even have ebbs and flows. Maybe one day you have a little extra Christmas spirit and the next day you may not. And that's okay too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So can you just, let's just pull it back one moment and can you just kind of give us, I don't know, your definition or what exactly grief means to you or what, what grief is? Yeah, what grief is, you know, I think um, grief is truly, I mean, I think there's kind of two types of grief. So we're going to, and I know we're going to kind of 
kind of wrap them into one. So I just, for people who have lost a person, right? That's, I think, how we traditionally think of grief. And certainly that is grief. Um, I think I heard a quote, but that, you know, it's truly the um, absence of the essence of love from that person, that that quote really resonated with me. Um, But the other things I think we don't think about that we go uh, experience grief with are life losses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, things that I've lost in my life. It could be a job. It could be my life before trauma. Mm-hmm. It could be, um, you know, my providers switching. <laughs> There's lots of things that we can experience in this community of, of loss, right? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. how we experience um, and acknowledging that, oh, this might be grief that I'm experiencing for this. Sometimes I think we don't even know how to name it because it's not a, the loss of a specific person in our life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, so there's lots of questions and things to unpack there, right? Like mm-hmm. loss of, loss of, in yeah. general, like grief is a lot about that, that idea of loss. Um, today, we're, you know, burn injuries are a big, big element where we may experience some grief. Um, but I want to talk a little bit because I know, um, I've heard this, but I also know I've thought this myself of how long am I going to feel like this, right? Or, or how long is this grief going to ask? And I think that's a common question that you've probably received quite a bit. Um, but I want to dive into that and, you know, I think I know the answer, but I would love to hear from you of like, when you get that question, how do you respond? Oh, that's a, such a great question. I think often in grief, um, we are so rushed to not have to, I don't want to feel this anymore, right? And I think people will often, in asking that question, probably the first thing that pops in their head or the first thing that someone will say to them who's maybe doesn't work in this field is, it just takes time. Mm. But that's such a kind of cliche thing to say. <laughs> really gives us comfort Mm -hmm. that I've given you something that's comforting, but you're like, well, what does that mean? How will Mm -hmm. I know? Right. How much, what, how much time, three months, two years, 20 years, who, what is that? And I Mm -hmm. think, um, thinking about grief is throughout our lifespan, certainly loss of a person because that love that we have for them and the experience we had with them doesn't leave us. Right. So that might ebb and flow. Um, the, the organization that I volunteer for, the founder, uh, Lynn Hughes, always says, you know, grief is sort of that experience. Like when it initially happens, it's like right in your face. And as we move on, not move with, you know, move, grief moves with us. But um, as we allow ourselves to experience the emotions, as we allow ourselves to experience and acknowledge what we're experiencing, as we honor that person, um, as we do uh, the new six stage of grief, some meaning making, not why did this happen necessarily, but um what do I do with this? What's meaningful to me? Allowing ourselves to have more of those moments, grief can start to move away, right? And start to move in different directions in our lives. And sometimes things are going to happen where it kind of feels like it's right back in your face. Um, but it doesn't mean that we can't get back to having it be further away from us, but it's still kind of always a, a little bit around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that too, about the anniversary effect. I feel like that comes up a lot, whether, you know, for burns, it's your burn anniversary or the loss of someone that anniversary, um, but our trigger, right? Yeah. So, what kind of, yeah. what should we look out for or how do maybe, how should you prepare if you know those anniversaries are coming? Yeah. How to prepare? Well, I think oftentimes 
we make the day of the leading up to anticipation of it a much bigger deal than mm. it is. Like, it's like you know, my, my whole, like this day is going to be so horrible. I'm going to relive it. I'm going to relive mm. those emotions, but you can't relive it, right? You can't go back to that space. You can acknowledge it. You know, our bodies often um, will keep track of <laughs> the traumas, right? Um, that we've had. So I think just acknowledging this might be a tough day for me. Mm. It might not be a tough day for me. But I'm going to allow, give myself grace, permission to have the feelings I need to have. I can be angry. I can be angry leading up to it. I can be angry on that day. I can um, just ask my friends to support me or I can spend the day alone, right? Mm -hmm. I can also say, I don't know what I'm going to need. Mm -hmm. So let me see how that day goes. And I might need to spend a day in bed crying. I might need to be out in the world and celebrating life. Or I need to be um, just maybe sitting down having a cupcake, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I think there is this, this thing we forget that we have this intuition. We're often so looking to not have to feel these sad things. But if we feel them, they move through us, mm. right? They've truly moved through us. And so... Mm. If we just acknowledge that I'm going to just see and pay attention to my gut instinct of what I need. Mm. Just hold that space for yourself, I think is really important. Oh, absolutely. I think that's so helpful because I I know we get asked a lot, just like, how should I celebrate my anniversary? And I think that's the one or how, you know, what is the best way to, and I think there is no specific way right and and you're validating that with what you just said of like if i want to eat a cupcake on my anniversary i'm gonna eat a cupcake um <laughs> or if i want to sit in bed and cry like that is okay yeah. um but we get asked out of like how should i and and what is the best way to and i don't from what you're saying it sounds like there's no best way right i don't think there is a best way and i might invite if the fit if the space feels okay or you're looking for um if people are looking for um something to sort of like honor, um, to do that sort of meaningful, that meaning making, um, that's now being talked about in grief, it, it, the loss of a person, we might honor them that day. We might go, um, I lost my brother. Sometimes I go to the zoo because he loved monkeys and I make sure to go do that. Um, or I'll go to the beach because we, um, put his ashes in the water and I know when I'm around water, I feel closer to him. Right. So I might do things like that. Um, but I think there's also in like the losses we've had in our burn, right? And our trauma, I think there's also maybe some reflecting back on what have I gained that I wasn't able to do initially, right? Mm-hmm. I, or I didn't even think I would be able to do this, right? And not in like a toxic positivity way, but it's like acknowledging what you've lost, but also acknowledging maybe what has been gained from that. Mm-hmm. that Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like what are my, I know. My first anniversary, my husband and I had done a couple of things, but one of the, the ways that we acknowledged it was to go for a, a 5k, right? We did a walk yeah. together. And on each mile, my husband, it was actually his idea. He's like, let's talk about on this mile, like all of the things we're grateful for mm-hmm. um, in the hospital. And then let's talk about all of the things we're grateful for um, that you've been able to accomplish mm-hmm. since then. And so we took it as like a, a gratitude walk rather than a solitude walk. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that for me, that was very helpful because I took that, like I used that reframing and framed it in like, here's what I'm thankful for rather than Mm -hmm. like how I'm sad. Yeah, absolutely. 
And so I think I, so well, I think that's so great too. And I and I just want to honor too for people who are in different spaces in their healing journey, right? Like I think people are like, if I do this, then I won't have to feel this. And I don't think that's true. And some people might be like, I can't access that. I'm too angry. I'm mm. too. I'm too. Uh, mm-hmm. The loss. The loss feels too deep right now to be able to access. Like like I I will never get there. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say never, but I also wouldn't force doing something like that. Like if that doesn't I mean, resonate, no, no, no. You don't do right. it, but keep it in mind. Cause one day in a couple of years, it might, it might mm-hmm. feel something that, that feels okay to do. Mm. And you kind of talk a little bit about like, almost like these cycles of grief, but what are some signs should you be looking out for when it, you know, maybe becomes unhealthy or even dangerous? What are, mm. what are some of those signs? Um, well, that's a good question signs that you're not the grief is kind of taking over and consuming you mm-hmm. or been i think maybe unhealthy or dangerous right i think we know some of those common signs mm-hmm. but yeah um well i think misuse of substances is for sure one right mm-hmm. we're trying to avoid we're trying to numb um, so that is something to think about if your drinking intake has increased, if your narcotic intake has increased, that's something certainly to pay attention to. Um, sometimes our pain, our physical pain, uh, might flare up. You might want to listen to that, right? Um, pay attention to the, pay attention to your body. If your body feels more tense, mm-hmm. uh, if you're feeling more anxious, more depressed, for sure, that could be. Um, signs of like my grief is feeling really intense right now. Um, it's mm. really kind of consuming me. Sometimes we don't even pay attention. We don't even realize that um, we're building up anxiety, right? Mm. Um, if you're not thinking about specifically that person, that could be it. So being overwhelmed and to mm. that point of being overwhelmed, like if you're irritable, if you're snapping at everybody and you are, your road rage is acting up, right? <laughs> uh, you are angry at the world. If you are, have no tolerance um, for your loved ones, it might be a sign that you're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. That might be a sign that you are experiencing grief more, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, kind of to that same effect, I'm someone that maybe it's not with grief, but just when I get stressed out, I stay busy. I like constantly mm-hmm. have to be doing things. Yep. So even though, you know, could that kind of be in the same vein as like, if you are, you know, your drinking has increased to suppress those feelings as almost being too busy and not living in those feelings, also an unhealthy, unhealthy trait. Or yeah, I guess like well, not, not acknowledging, right? Like seeing that yeah. that person went uh, from an extreme loss to not acknowledging, is that something we should yeah. be worried about, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and, and I, and I struggle with like, like, we think about like this word of like, what's healthy, unhealthy. And I, mm-hmm. I talk with my clients about that. I'm like, I don't, I don't really like that sort of, um, yeah. The, the, it just, it feels like right or wrong. Right. right. And I, mm-hmm. everything is coping. It's just, is it, mm. is it working for you? Right. Mm. Like, yeah. so sometimes we mm-hmm. might need to overwork. Mm. Uh, right. We just might need to do that because it feels yeah, we're ready to yeah. do that. But I think it could also be a sign that like, okay, but I can do that. But it, if I'm starting to be reactive, it might be a sign that not only am I exhausted from overworking, but I'm avoiding being mm. present and sitting with what is actually going on, what I'm actually experiencing mm. in my life, right? Mm. So there's, there's that balance. I think having the awareness, listening to the people around you, being mm. like, why are you working so much? I need you. What are you doing? Why aren't you here? Mm. Um, similarly of you know our loved ones when they say, God, you're so angry and snapping. Like, 
do anything, you know? Um, <laughs> that it's easy to take those things personally, but that might yeah. be signs that, okay, maybe wrong. I've got to take a step back here, maybe really acknowledge with what I'm really experiencing. I love that. So speaking of people around you, right? Um, I know we've all probably experienced or, or, or been around someone who maybe has experienced loss or grief of some kind, right? Whether it's the loss of a loved one or loss of, you know, or experiencing trauma. Um, and I think I've heard this too of like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to support this person. And maybe I'm so afraid of doing it either. I don't, or, or I'm so afraid of it. Like, I don't know what to say um, because sometimes sorry doesn't feel right with us or whatnot. So um, what is a good, or what, <laughs> there's no right or wrong. So what is a, a good way that you, or, or ways that you would say, I know as a burn survivor, I have my idea of what, how I wanted folks to support me, but um, when it comes to grief and loss, what is the best or a good way to, to support that person? Um, there's I think a lot to unpack. <laughs> a lot to unpack. There. <laughs> yeah. This is going to sound so simple. And you're right. I think people experiencing grief, I hear this with the kids that I work with all the time. They don't want to hear, I'm sorry, because you didn't do anything, right? Mm -hmm. And people, and I think you, I'm sure the two of you have experienced, I also don't want someone to pity me. Mm -mm. I don't want someone when I share my story or I share what I'm experiencing in this moment, I don't need you to fix it for me. Mm. Right. Like that, it's like that, if anything, that makes it feel worse. Right. Cause you can't mm. fix it for me. Um, but that, I also don't know how to respond. So I feel like when you say, I'm sorry to me, I'm yep. like, this is awkward. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to respond to your sorry. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, right. And then, and then there's also that piece of like, I think when we, people going to fix it and you're like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Like, I don't like this actually, you know, I don't, mm -hmm. um, don't truly don't need to fix it for me. Like those are not, mm -hmm. I didn't ask for that. Right. I am just mm -hmm. expressing how I feel. Um, I'm expressing what I'm experiencing right now. Mm -hmm. And the other piece of that too is, um, you know, the, the pitying piece that people get like, Oh my God, that's, oh, that sounds horrible. Um, I'm like, and then people jump into that. I'm sorry. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, again, you didn't do anything, but now I feel like I have to take care of your emotions for you. Right, right. Your discomfort of what I, my discomfort. Right, right, right. right. So, um, I think the biggest thing people can do, um, when they hear that, when they hear someone uh, step into that vulnerability, to express it, or they notice it, is just to say, "And that sucks. What do you need? Mm -hmm. How can I help? Yeah. Or I'd like to listen. Right. I'm here. Mm -hmm. I can listen. I think so often people will be like well, I'm here, you know, if you need anything and you're like, okay, but am I going to reach out to you? I don't, I don't, I don't know. But mm -hmm. in that moment of someone sharing something say, I am here. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to listen. Do you talk now. You want to talk later? Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. One of my, I think this is from a Brene Brown book, but one of my favorite things to say, and if my friends are listening, they may have heard me say this exact phrase, but I just say like, I'm not exactly sure what to do to help, but I'm here to listen. And Absolutely. I think owning, if you're not sure what to do, which is totally fine, yeah. but owning that also just when, also when I hear that from my friends, I'm like, Phew. like, you mm. know what? I'm actually not sure what I need you to do, but I just want to know. I want you to hold me. space. Yeah. 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 And I think that's something that I learned from my trauma of like mm. beforehand, I might've tried to jump and say, I'm sorry, or said you should or like, this is what, and yeah, we've learned yeah. from that peer support mm -hmm. of like, it's okay to just sit 
with that person in that uncomfortable space and say like, I don't know how to help you, but I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you for telling me, like, thank you for, you know, it's almost like it's a compliment when someone is willing to tell you about their feelings or open up to you. It's like they trust you. Vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to and for us to just sit say that. And it's hard. It is really hard. We're in this country hardwired for whatever reason to fix it for somebody, right? Like we're not supposed to experience our pain and not supposed to experience our suffering, um, or anxiety or our depression, but actually so much, of, as you two know, I'm a neuroscience nerd. So much of the research is showing if we do feel those feelings over time, we start to feel them a little less intensely, maybe mm-hmm. a little less often. They feel easier to tolerate, right? And so if we can give that space to somebody, what a gift we're giving them, right? Mm-hmm. Say, I see you. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be- and I think it's it's a powerful thing to learn, but sometimes it takes us experiencing it ourselves to be Absolutely. able to know how to hold space for others. And I think that was mm-hmm. something that I was like, you know what? I don't have to say I'm sorry because I hate hearing I'm sorry because that's just <laughs> not like, and so now I try to avoid saying I'm sorry because I yeah. think I'm like, why am I apologizing for something that I, you know, I really didn't affect me. I think it's easier for me to then just go in and say, oh, you know, what do you need? Like you said, I think that's a great option of like, yeah. maybe I don't need anything, but you to just sit there and listen to me. So, yep. um, yeah, that's, that's a very powerful mm-hmm. tool to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. One thing I wanted to ask too, is do you have, I don't know if it's like tips or like when, for example, when a, a life is lost and there's more, let's say a couple or a brother and sister, or there's multiple people who are going through grief at the same time, but also want to support others. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that you can balance that managing your own group, but also helping someone else? That's a, that's also a a big question, right? I think um, I'll speak first from sort of a familiar like family point of view just from the families that I've worked with and kids I've worked with one of the and the parents that I've worked with um when they've lost either a parent or a sibling or someone they've loved dearly one of the biggest things um (laughs) big topics that always comes up every single time I work with families um is I don't want to make them upset Mm. Right. If I talk about my loved one or I talk about, I don't want to make someone upset. Mm. But one of the things that I point out is what's making everyone upset is the loss of that person. Right. That's what makes everyone upset. That's what everybody has emotions about and feelings about and grief about. So if we are bringing up our own grief, doesn't it make sense of, of the loss of a shared person? Doesn't it make sense? that the other people in our families, when we talk about them, would also have emotions about their own grief, Mm. right? So those emotions are their own grief, right? And if we have them together, we can share joy of that person, celebrate their life. We can share our sadness. And sometimes in grief, when we bring it up, other people are in different spaces because of what's going on in life, right? Uh, Being able to, um, to tolerate that so that, you know, we actually, as a family unit, 
um, kind of have an agreement, come up with some skills to create that open space to be like, okay, right now I know you're feeling your grief, but I need to get your siblings to all these things. Let's make sure tonight we come together. You and I spend time together talking about dad, right? Mm. Mm. I think same thing with our, similarly with our family shared experience of, of, um, of burns, right? We all know like our partners, our parents, our siblings, they all experience the trauma mm. just in a different way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so how do we, even though the injury happened to us, the trauma of them, our loved one got hurt and there's nothing I can do about it. Right. I can't mm. fix it. So how do we all have agreement that we can all have grief about that? Mm. We can all experience, we can all experience trauma in a different way. We are not here to, that doesn't make me talking about it. doesn't make you upset. It's, Mm. it's what I experienced or what we experienced. that makes that hurts, right. That suffering Mm. that hurts, that pain that hurts. Mm. I think that's important because so many, so many of us are like, oh, should we not say anything, right? Like, oh, I don't cool. know if I, I should avoid it. talking about it. I don't want to make you upset. And like, well, why not? Why can't, why can't I be? It's my it's my grief. It's my trauma. Like, I, I if you don't think I don't have feelings about it, I'm not having those feelings. <laughs> not you who's making me upset. It's mm-hmm. events that happened. Mm-hmm. Loss. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> speaking, I think just of, of talking about it, I know um, grief comes in many forms, right? And so um, <clears throat> one of the things that I think from our community I've heard and I wanted to ask you about today was, um, you know, we look at losses out that don't necessarily or aren't necessarily in our immediate family, right? But mm-hmm. there are losses that still in some ways affect us. So I know a lot of our community was affected by the loss of Anne Hesh. And so, um, you know, the survivors felt something about that accident and they still think it, or whether it's, you know, we hear about wildfires out there. So while that didn't directly affect us because we didn't necessarily know that person, we still felt something deeply mm-hmm. about that. Can we talk about that for a minute or just hold space to understand, you know, why when I see something on the news or on TV mm-hmm. about an accident that happened, maybe similarly to me or to someone else, um, mm-hmm. why do I feel something right during that? Mm. So why do we connect with other people's suffering mm. when we've experienced suffering? Mm. Mm-hmm. Because we're human. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we, we need people. We need to be with people. And even if when sometimes we, this feels like I, I don't want to be with the world, right? But we're social creatures. Mm-hmm. We need to be with other people. And so for us to connect to someone else's suffering, it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Really makes because sense. not only do I know how, what she went through, even though I'm still here and she's deceased, um, I can imagine what she went through, right? And mm. it was for her um, to suffer in the hospital and 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 suffer through that, right? Mm. Um, but then also for her family, right? Like we might know, we might be really connected. Like, oh my gosh, my family was so concerned about me, mm. her family experiencing, right? So it makes sense that we would connect deeply to someone else's trauma when we've when we've experienced a similar thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, kind of goes back to what Phoenix Society always says of like each burn survivor is unique, but our journeys mm-hmm. are so similar. And we all 
I mean, that's why you can connect to, you know, one another at World Run mm. Congress and other things so easily is maybe my injury is completely different from yours, but we have this common story still. Mm. We have this common understanding, right? Mm. I know I can look at you and you may not look like I do. Your injuries may not look like mine do. Your injuries might have happened from a different mm. way than mine did. But mm. do we have a shared understanding that, that's not being talked about? just by being amongst each other. Absolutely. And there is this sort of like, you know, I think that's what's so wonderful. I mean, I know just like you, you all know how much I love uh, peer support, um, mm -hmm. supporting that with the Phoenix Society, but to have that space in our grief and our trauma and our loss to not be alone can be one of the most powerful things in our healing, right? Mm -hmm. To get back to that normal of what it feels like to not feel alone. Mm -hmm invite that back in, but to share it with others and, and like, Oh, you get it. Right. I'm not the only one here in the world who, who's gone through this. Mm. Lots of people, we all know that, but to actually experience that to be in the presence of others who've been through similar emotions that we've had, um, gosh, the power and the healing in that is huge. Mm. So yes, we are social creatures. I think we do healing, not, there's a lot of healing that we do on our own, but there's a lot of healing we do in, in support of others, specifically people who experience loss, trauma that we have. Mm -hmm. And why, I know we've said we're social creatures, but really why is peer support so powerful? Like why, why does it make and I know we've talked about that one-on-one -on -one of how much you love peer support. And we, we are going to be talking about that more in a little sneak peek that we're, we have an upcoming episode with Jen as well. But I think yeah, yeah um, peer support and grief. Let's talk, let's talk that. Yeah. We'll talk more about that then. But I do think in, in um, uh, you know, not to give a cliffhanger, but again, just back to that idea of the, the release, the relief that people feel um, of not feeling alone is that I'm not the only one that when I'm, what I'm experiencing as normal is huge, but we will talk more about that. But I think <laughs> reach out to others, right. All the more important, I think in grief, it feels hard to reach out to others. I think grief can be so isolating for us. So isolating. Mm -hmm. No one gets how I loved this person. You're right. No one's going to get that. But if other people love someone deeply, absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. um, is your relationship to, you know, your mom different than your brothers, than your dad's? Absolutely. Right. Because we're all mm -hmm. those those relationships are unique to us. But does that mean that we all aren't missing her? Mm -hmm. We are. Right. And mm -hmm. so um, I think when people come together in, um, in peer support, which we'll talk, you know, again, Still cliffhanger, but okay, we can get dense and did a little bit here today. <laughs> Just the power of that. So reach in grief and we can reach out to others, find that community um, of people who've lost someone, people who've maybe experienced loss of um, a job. If we've lost a job, mm -hmm. right? those people get it. It's mm -hmm. hard. You know, mm -hmm. we've lost, you know, I know a lot of amputees, have a lot of peer support, right. Um, with each other. And I know I work with some, I work with folks who've had transplant, they're transplant groups, right. I mean, there's just so much that's out there. It makes sense. Find community. Mm -hmm. community. I think just knowing like, right. Especially in peer support as somebody who's an avid 
avid fan of peer support myself. I've been going two years strong, I think, here yeah. in peer yeah. support. But but knowing that, um, and sometimes, like, I think, I think you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Jen, in, in, the, in the terms of, like, okay, it's great that you helped me with that lotion that I needed for the itch. But hearing from you telling me, like, hey, it's okay that you are feeling scared about going to the doctor next week because... I also feel that because of all the trauma I went through, like that in and of itself is, is actually way more healing for me in some ways than, than what kind of lotion you use. Am I, am right. I wrong there? No, I don't think you're wrong there at all. <laughs> right. Because I mean, we're all going to figure out what kind of lotion we need and, you know, and across the country, the, you know, I, Pam Peterson and I talk about this a lot, like <laughs> so interesting how um, vastly different uh, and, and, and similar, but different, different surgeons and different providers have different points of views, um, you know, and what's the best lotion. Do you do vitamin E? Do you not do vitamin E? Like, you know, mm. all that stuff, you know, so figuring out what works for you. It's great to have idea, get ideas from that. Mm. But the, like, how was it to, to hear that? Like, oh no, what's your feeling? I experienced that too. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So a person who's actually experienced it, like as a, as a clinician and then as a person who's not a burn survivor, I can be like, oh, what you're experiencing is completely normal. You know, I will often say with my clients, like, listen, I have five other clients who are feeling that this week too. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I can say that, but to hear it from somebody who's actually, you know, has experienced it, mm-hmm. it's more validating. Right. Mm-hmm. It does actually yeah. feel a little bit more whatever normal is, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I feel and I'm, I don't I don't like to use the term crazy, right? But I feel like, oh, am I like going go spiraling out of control here and thinking yeah. this or is this are you validating what how I feel right now? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So cool. we're talking what a lot now? about grief. <laughs> yeah, but I think for me, um we hear too, you know, there's the survivors that are burned as adults, but then we also have um, we have, some of us have as adults have children, and then some of us are also, um, experiencing loss, right. With children there. So I, I want to talk a little bit about like grief when it comes to children, because I've heard a couple schools of thought, right. Of mm-hmm. like, Ooh, I don't want to expose them to what happened, um, for fear, or is it, uh, or sometimes I've heard, you know, how do I talk to my kids about this or how do I tell them what happened? So can we talk, let's sit on that for a little bit and talk about, when it comes to children and grief, um, you work a lot with them. So what is what are some tips or ways that you recommend starting that conversation with kids? Yeah. So transparency, transparency, transparency. You cannot protect your child from what has happened in their life. Um, kids are incredibly perceptive. They know something is up. Mm. They can handle it. They can also handle it and they can have big feelings about it. They can have anxiety about it. They can have sadness about it. Um, but if we don't tell them, it, they feel like I will tell you every single kid I have worked with who loved one protected them from how their loved one died. This often happens in the suicide loss community. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to tell the kids because then they're going to become suicidal. It's not a thing. It's actually mm-hmm. like the research shows it's not a thing. Um, that hearing that someone died by suicide isn't going to make the people in their life want to die by suicide and not for kids. Right. Um, Mm. But we're transparent with them and say, this is how they died. Right. But using age appropriate language, age Mm. language is really important. So what you might say to a 13 year old would not be what you say to a five year old. Mm. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Absolutely. 
Extremely. You want to give us an example of that? Yeah. So, I mean, developmentally where a kid is at 13, is different than where a kid is at five. So the mm. concept of like, you know, like three, four, three, four, maybe five, the concept of like permanency and death isn't like, that's not a concept that they, their brains can grasp. Mm -hmm. yet, right. Um, so you might say you can use the word die, like, right. Mm. Let's not like sugarcoat it. Idea of like permanency isn't fully there. So I think that can be exhausting for parents when they have kids that age. It's like, I don't think they get it. And they didn't have big emotions about it. Yeah, they didn't because they don't really, their brains can't comprehend that, what that means, someone not being here. It's like, oh, are they going to come still come home from, mm. you know, after work? <laughs> like, right. So there's that. But a 13 year old fully understands the permanency of death. Mm. And a teenager, even older than that, fully understands. And there's also this idea of if someone has been in their life and they've had more time to formulate a relationship with them, like a like in junior high or a teenager, um, you know, they've they formulated a relationship based on who they are as well. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? You start to mm -hmm. learn about who you are um, and relationship to other people. And so um, it's not just that they've had more time, they had more time to develop a relationship with that person. So mm -hmm. they might experience grief a little bit differently there, but a 13 year old, you know, and maybe even, an, an, uh, what you might want to say to them is to share how it happens. Mm. Um, right. And to also offer, I think to all kids, if you have questions, come ask me. Mm. If you want more detail, I am here for you. I will talk to you about that. So it kind of, what often will happen is we'll see kids who will, you know, have lost someone when they were young, nine, 10 years old, and then they become a teenager and they're like, I want to hear more of the story because they're trying to make sense of the story in their mm -hmm. head. Right? Mm. That can also be exhausting for parents to, if they've lost their spouse or their own child, right. Um, to have to, to do that. But unfortunately you're the holder of that information. Mm -hmm. something that parents can do also is to say, I really want to share that with you. I don't have those answers. Um, are you okay if I connect you with, you know, mm -hmm. uncle Bob or with grandma and grandpa um, that, you know, we can also elicit other people in our life to help support that child in sharing stories and sharing more detail if that person has it uh, or being there with them. So um I know that was like, that was a lot, like a lot. <laughs> no, that was, I think very helpful. Cause I think, mm -hmm. and so I want to go a little bit further and like, okay, so there's the loss of a person, right. But the loss of, you know, or receiving a burn injury. And so sometimes we're asked like, how should I talk to that child? You know, we don't want to go into those gory details, but I would assume that the same applies here, right. Of like yeah. um, age appropriate language to talk about a burn injury. Is that yeah, absolutely. I think that age, you know, you, I think exactly right. Like maybe with a three or four year old, you'd say that, you know, they had, they had a burn. It was because of fire. This is why fire, you know, I mean, this is why we teach that fire is dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. Why we wear mittens because of frostbite, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. right? And like, and to say, and that's, and that's how we can help protect ourselves, but sometimes people still can get hurt mm -hmm. and, you know, and they are getting medical care the doctors and nurses are taking care of them and right now we think that they're going to be okay right mm. or we can know that right i mean this also is dependent on the size of mm -hmm. but i think we can say i don't think we have to get into details about percentages with kids i don't you know <laughs> um you know maybe it's maybe a teenager and just to say you know it's on a large part of their body um mm. 
or we can say, you know, as we learn more, like, you know, as someone is healing and learning more about what their bodies might look like or what scars, we can have those conversations. We can say, mm. to kids, you know, um, like, you know, there, there's going to be some scarring and, mm. you know, we have to be careful on touching daddy for the next year. Mm-hmm. Right. We can touch him. We can ask him to be touched, but we do need to be careful. Or if it's mm-hmm. their sibling, you know, to say, you know, we need to be, we need to just be careful. We need to be a little bit more mindful um, mm-hmm. just so that their scars don't open back up. Right. Like mm-hmm. they're still healing, but they're still here. There's, you know, and so right. I think there's going to be supporting kids in the loss of this is a change that's happened. Like I may not be able to rough house with my sibling like I used to. Mm-hmm. Right. We can be sad for that. Let's find something else that we can do. Mm-hmm. Let's introduce a new activity, right? Mm, I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I know we talked a little bit about this in your intro, but can you tell us a little bit more about the comfort zone camps? And is that something that, how does that kind of work into talking with kids and families about grief? Yeah. So um, Comfort Zone Camp is an organization that was started 22 years ago by Lynn Hughes. And she had lost both of her parents at different times when she was young. Um And one of the things she discovered in her isolation of her grief um, and not being talked about around her, um, one of the things she found she loved in her early life was going to camp. And so she had this idea, um, and it was a time it was freeing, and she felt connected, and it was community for people who've been to camp. And, you know, we have a lot of people in our community go to to burn camps, volunteer at burn camps. It's a source of sort of similar thing, right, of like Mm -hmm. just being around other kids, um, who have that, but what's different about comfort zone camp is it's a weekend. Um, and it really mimics how kids experience grief. So what's unique to comfort zone camp is that we have healing circles and healing circles are led by, um, by people who are experted in the grief field and <laughs> their own grief and they've been to camp or their mental health clinician like myself, who's also experienced grief. Um, and we lead, uh, four healing circles. Each kid has an adult connected to them to keep them safe, kind of a mentor, a person to just be a listening ear, even mm-hmm. if they have experienced grief. Um, and so throughout the weekend, we have these really fun um, sort of highs of high energy, icebreakers, mm-hmm. you know, fun games. And then we move into healing circle and we mm-hmm. share our stories, right? And we explore what grief has been like the changes that it has created, not just the loss of that person, but the changes that it has created in our life, right? The absence mm-hmm. of that person, um, what is different and feeling more connected to others to be like, Hey, I got you. I've experienced that too. Right. Mm-hmm. So the power of that. And then, you know, and then we go, you know, again, flow in and out of fun activities and archery and swimming. And, um, and then we do this awesome in the evening bonfire, um, where we do a circle of remembrance. And you guys, I have to tell you, you'll be very proud of me. I am like the safety, like, I think I drive (laughs) around bonfires. Um, Uh So, um, but we write notes to our loved ones and we put those notes, we have a circle of remembrance and we write those, these notes and put them in the healing and put them in the fire. Mm. Um, A message where all of our messages uh, flow and into maybe finding their way to our loved one. But it's really Mm. a time to, especially for kids. I think we often, um, you know, kids are, will be wait to go to the cemetery or wait for Mm. the family to talk about their loved one or, um, and so it's really time for them to, to remember their loved one in their own safe way. Right. And the support of this community. 
And I think that's powerful because we hear so much like, not just with kids, but adults, like writing can be very, very oh, healing. Yeah. I know, I know I've had family members that have experienced loss and I've given that recommendation of like, Hey, write it down, like write them a letter. Cause I think that for me has been really helpful. Um, do you find that being healing for kids, not and adults, I think, right? Oh, it's so healing for kids. And you know, and some, and some people are not in a place to be able to do it. They're like, I have nothing to say, you know, some not, I mean, sometimes in our grief, I think we forget that sometimes in grief, we can put our loved one on a pedestal, but not everybody was on a pedestal when they were living. So just because they've mm -hmm. died and they're no longer here doesn't mean that they deserve to be on a pedestal. Right. Um, and so sometimes it is hard to write a note to a loved one, but I do think it's a, you know, it's a way we can do that, you know? Um, and, and I also think what's also great about comfort zone camp and want to bring us back to sort of like kids experiences and how we forget mm -hmm. how differently they do things than we do. Um, mm -hmm is that we do this really cool thing. It's called a memorial service and it is child focused and we let the kids get up there and they dance. Um, they dance the solo of their dance because their dad didn't get to see it. Right. Mm. Or we had one kid who had lost their twin sibling and the last thing they did together was Easter egg hunt. So this kid did a little Easter egg hunt. Right. Mm. And I think we forget or kid, you know, people play songs like this was my, this was my mom's favorite song. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but where we went fishing or, hey, you know, we always get like it's kind of like nine, 10 year old girls who were like put together a little uh, dance act and sometimes mm. a boy because <laughs> um, they want to like show like how happy they've been. Like even in my grief, I can be happy because that's how kids mm. are. They will be happy one moment and they'll be sad another moment, you know, um, and that's OK. And I think we forget to let children do what they need. We forget that they actually do, do sometimes know what they need to do. Right. Right. So if they are playing or reenacting things, it's okay. And that makes perfect sense because we as adults do that too, right? Like I, yeah. like I may need to eat a cupcake, but Rachel may want to go cry it out. Right. And I think that's. Um... Absolutely. And I think we, and I think we think as adults that, you know, like, like what's appropriate or not appropriate. Like <laughs> we're very like, um, Sometimes it's appropriate in grief to be funny, to be silly, to scream at the top of our lungs, to dance around, to mm. go fishing, um, to play, right? Sometimes mm. in grief, it's not just about being sad. And then as my, a good friend of mine said, it's not about moving, um, it's not about moving on, it's moving with, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. And you're holding such beautiful space with those comfort zone camps. So I think that's yeah. really, it's really. Program. It's a free program. So, um, and people and kids can come and now we do a parent program, which is super awesome. So I've been doing those and giving parents, parents forget to give themselves mm. a space to do their own grief. They're so worried about their kids often that mm. the time for their grief, but they are grieving too, right? Like we're grieving mm. too. And we're, and how do you parent? How do you care give for a child who's grieving the shared loss that we have? Right. Mm. That's mm. awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I know today we've talked a lot about grief, but given that the holidays are so close, I think um, I want to talk a little bit about, I guess, first, why the holidays bring up so much for so many of us, but then also what are ways then on that day that I can kind of be kind to myself and, um, and, and support? Yeah. I think the holidays are hard for people because it's for several reasons. One, it's, I think the biggest reason it feels like it's this moment that's supposed to be this 
happy, joyous thing, right? Mm -hmm. We build it up. Well, we build the expectation that we put on holidays, you know, and some families have a lot of traditions, which is great Mm -hmm. that they love. It makes them feel connected. Rituals, traditions are wonderful things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But some families, it, it creates the expectations and it not mm. going well and the family blowups and the stress of being like, I don't want to, I don't want to be around my cousin. Like, you know, and, right, I'm right. Not to let, and now I have to be happy and with them. I, so there's so many different emotions I think that can come up for people. Um, there's so much that's out of our control. Mm. Um, but then this also this expectation of um, somehow holidays just automatically make us a happy family. Mm. But this may not be a happy time for us mm. or we might not all be in a same space of happiness or our relationships might be really um, hurting right now. Right. Mm. But just because there's a, a tree or a menorah or, you know, um, all the other holiday, or a turkey um, <laughs> means that I'm supposed to be happy, mm. happy. Right. And also- well, I think it with survivors too. Right. Like I'm going through a lot of loss of identity or loss of and I'm supposed to walk into the room and, and put on a happy face, even mm-hmm. though I'm I'm really struggling right now emotionally. Right. 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 And mm-hmm. so giving ourselves permission to do what we need to do, you can take a break. Mm-hmm. You know, if it feels overwhelming and it's maybe a little triggering for our, our friends who maybe have some PTSD um, who finds, you know, certain smells overwhelming or certain, um, that just like all the noise, if it's a big family gathering, mm-hmm. um, it's okay to take a break. Right. Mm-hmm. But then for some of us who are grieving, I don't have a large family. I don't mm-hmm. feel like my family's been supportive. I'm actually, it's better for me to not be with family. There's grief and loss of that. Right. Mm-hmm. That I've, I've, my family has not been supportive to me. Um, and so, this idea, I think, too, of like what family actually is, and just because we share genetics doesn't mean we're family. Mm. I think I think we're lucky if we can say that. But like, who are our chosen family? Reach mm. out to people in your community. Um, ask them for that support. Right? Feeling really lonely. Uh, that's a, a tip I got as a a young kid too. Of like, family doesn't always have to just be. Um, the folks that we were born into. Um, it could also be, you know, our closest friend or someone that has really been there to support us. And I think that is such a powerful tip because family is who we choose um, to be around. That's mm-hmm. a really beautiful yeah. tip, especially around this time of year. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And another thing I talk with, I talk with my clients a lot about too, is this, um, you know, happiness is, I, I believe happiness is spontaneous. Mm. that just because we we think something if it doesn't look a certain way or if it isn't isn't a certain way or how it looks like all the commercials are are telling us it needs to be (laughs) means that i'm not going to be happy i don't Mm. know happiness is often spontaneous we have many of you like the memories you have it's not of the same ornaments right Mm -mm. or the funny things that probably happened right or the Mm. stuff that happened or you know yeah, the, the turkey <laughs> didn't come out the way I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. The th- you know, if we can laugh about those things, like, you know, the the things that were kind of funny and are memorable, um, those things, and also the, some of the sad things, right? And so mm. um, that can happen. And like the absence of that person specifically, right? Like mm. 
happiness might be really hard to find this year and next mm-hmm. year. Um, but can I find some peace? Is there mm-hmm. some moments of joy because I'm both remembering my loved one, but also and sad for that, but also remembering a happy memory, a gift that they gave mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. A walk we took this time of year, or a tradition that we had, you know. Mm-hmm. I think gra- uh, gratitude, right? So, like whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, like finding um, an opportunity as a family to just be thankful that we are mm-hmm. here and able to be together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I also wanted to add too about just setting expectations for yourself, but also with your family and friends. Mm-hmm. You know. Maybe you can only come to dinner for an hour, but that is a huge improvement from last year or whatever it may be. But setting those expectations early, I think, mm-hmm. you know, for me personally, that's just helped a ton going into those days. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and to add to that, I think we so often look to others for permission to do that. Mm-hmm. We've got to get a person to ourselves. If you need, mm-hmm. if you, dinner for an hour that's great say that's what you're doing don't ask great. don't say is that okay because guess mm-hmm. what it's better than you not coming <laughs> i'm sure yeah. that's what your <laughs> friends or you know are thinking um we'd rather you know so um and sometimes you know people might hit you you know kind of like bombard you with like but but you can come more and you're like yep yeah, mm. i i could but i'm gonna plan on an hour yeah, not just the meal. And I'm gonna see how I feel. But mm. I'm gonna plan for that. And I will let you know if it, that changes. Mm-hmm. And I think not having to, to tell anyone not to like, there are times where if I walk into a room, and I'm like, mm, I just can't do this today. I like I know there are times where if I say something to my husband, he knows like, okay, this is all that I can handle today. And I, I am, I'm done here. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. If you've got that family member or friend or, you know, um, the, you know, church member <laughs> that <laughs> understand, you know, that gets it and can help be an advocate for you to support you to not have to explain yourself and to say, Hey, we're going and, you know, can do that. You know, people love to help people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. assign someone that task, ask them if they can yeah. A trusted person that you know doesn't doesn't fully get it, but gets that you need it. Mm-hmm. Ask them to help you. Mm-hmm. My husband and I are really big on having like code words, like when we're going somewhere <laughs> or something. It's like time yep. to go. Okay, what's our code word going into it? And when when are we getting out? Yeah. Or texting under the table, like, yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) But but don't, don't look at your phone too quick or they'll know we're texting. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody talks about it, but it happens. So yeah, sure. Well, um, (laughs) I think uh, we're almost at time here, Jen, but before can we let each other go, is there anything else that you want to share with those that are watching or listening today about grief for the holidays and that we haven't yet talked about. I think remembering and grief that it's okay to have emotions, right? They will come at us in waves um, and, and sort of as painful as they are, pay attention to them. Let yourself have, mm-hmm. take your, take the opportunity to have the tears. Tears are a wonderful thing in our healing, right? It allows us to move through a stress cycle. Great book on burnout about that. Um, but also that it's okay if you're experiencing grief five years, 10 years, it's okay. 
it's here, right? Um, that compassion, that um, an acceptance of it's okay to have those emotions. It's okay to be angry still, right? You can be angry once in a while. There's a lot of loss that's happened, right? Um, and the, and the, the idea of what's so hard for our minds is, you know, people talk about adjusting to that new normal without that person or what my new life looks like um, is our brain still holds the old narrative of what we were hopeful to have had our life be like, right? And so sometimes when we're moving through the emotions, it's our brain trying to get back, like trying to get back to that narrative, right? That, that initial narrative. Um, but allowing that that narrative and through our emotions allows that narrative to kind of, they come back together, right? Sometimes it feels like they're pulling apart, but it allows them to come back together if we can acknowledge the loss, but also acknowledge um, what do I have, right? Mm. What actually is okay right now, Um it's okay that I loved that person. What did I love about them? Let me experience that love, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you forget that the tears aren't just about the absence of them, but the love that we had for them that needs to come out in some way because we can't share it with them in that same way anymore. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for joining us today. And I do just want to remind our listeners too, that there are so many ways to connect not only with other burn survivors, but just connect with loved ones from all around the world with Phoenix Society. Um, We know you are part of our support group that's hosted on the second and fourth Mondays of every month. We have our weekly peer support chat. We have Phoenix soar. We have so many ways we have a Facebook group. So, um, when in doubt, reach out to us and we are happy to help however we can. So um, just thank you again, Jen, so much. You shared so much wisdom with us today and I'm so excited to have you on again here very soon. Um, I know we gave a little teaser of that, but it'll be another great <laughs> Thanks for having me, ladies. It's such an important topic, um, something that we all experience and I'm just so honored to have this discussion and sort of share my experiences and um, with you all. So Thank you. Thanks, Jen. So once again, before we wrap up today, we want to thank our season one podcast sponsor, Pritzker Hagman. The Pritzker Hagman Burn Injury Legal Team helps support burn survivors and their loved ones pursue compensation and justice throughout the United States. If you have any legal questions, the attorneys at Pritzker Hagman are ready to help and you can find out more at legaljourney.guide. Jen, as always, it was such a pleasure. We want to thank you and we look forward to seeing you very soon. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Girls with Crafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.